This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 39. I think if I can make a bundle of cash before I'm 30 and get out of this racket, I'll be able to ride my motorcycle across China. You know, Charlie Sheen, you really don't need a bundle of cash to do that, right? You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. I'm really glad that you're here. It is Friday, and today the general area that we're going to be talking about, the category that we're going to be talking about today is personal finance. And within that category, that's a very complicated part of our own lives, or or I should say we make it one of the more complicated parts of our lives because it's one of the more stress-inducing ones. It's the one that we tend to put at least speaking for myself, I tend to put the most stress on myself in trying to figure out. And basically the thing that I, the the thing that I've come to over the years is that this area doesn't necessarily need to be as complicated as we seem to make it out to be. And one of the areas that I've sort of been exposed to in this area that's just sort of really hit me like a truck over the last couple of years is the concept of finding ways to cut back on the things that I consume on a relatively frequent basis. And basically the shocking response to my personal balance sheet that I've witnessed from doing that. Now that sounds fairly simplistic and I understand that that sounds that way, but that was not an easy process for me, nor that of many people, because if you really look around everywhere that you look, whether it be on your cell phones, on TV, if you're still one of those people that have a television or cable service, I should say, but the everywhere you everywhere you look, we're being pushed to spend money. Everywhere you look, we're being pushed to buy vacations and experiences and stuff and apps and toys and houses and furniture and, 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 and it just, it's never ending and something, there's another end there again. Anyway, there is one particular area that all of this knowledge that I've sort of figured out and that my wife and I have figured out over these, you know, several years that her and I have sort of put our heads together in this area is the concept of, I'm going to use a cliche, in is the concept of living tiny. Now, that's a fairly charged phrase because it's not really well understood, but it is something that is very much demonized in the consumer mindset. Generally, the concept of this was spurred by the growth in popularity of these wonderful little tiny houses that we see popping up all over the country, whether it be in small communities of people that own these things that are choosing to live together in small groups, or whether it be, you know, the young millennials that are building these little things on their own in their parents' backyard and then moving out and finding a small space to put them and then living out of those 
there's TV shows based around it. There's documentaries based around it. There's they're starting to pop up in basic consumer culture TV shows. Like it's just it's starting to happen where that's just becoming a more normal thing to see on a regular basis, even though it's still considered somewhat, shall we say, unconventional. That is a mindset and that is a lifestyle that my wife and I fully, fully embrace and that we are actually moving towards ourselves. If you've heard or if you've listened to some of the episodes that we've had on this show before, whether it be the conversations that I've had with my wife, Carrie, or some of the other guests that I've had, you know, you obviously know that this is something that we are actively planning to do ourselves and the thought of doing so it was obviously a little scary at first, but there are, I want to walk you through sort of our thought process behind it and our process of making our way in that direction. But also I want to talk about some of the ways that you can live that lifestyle or something remotely similar to that lifestyle uh, without necessarily having to have the itty bitty tiny house that you can pull behind a truck, which is the stereotypical way to live this lifestyle, but not necessarily the only way. So I'd like to get into that a little bit, because whether that's something that you're looking to do yourself or not, there's a lot of little nuggets in there that you can apply to your everyday life and to your current living situation or your planned living situation that I think would be incredibly helpful. And we're not going to run too long on this because obviously I don't want to keep you too long with these shorter Friday episodes. But basically, the way my wife and I came to this idea is we both sort of fell in love with the idea of these little tiny houses, like so many people have. Like we saw the TV shows, we saw the documentaries, and we're like, oh my God, that is the neatest thing I have ever seen. I would love to be able to live in something like that. But there's no way in hell that we could ever do that with kids or with two people. That's okay for one person. Or, but what about if we're working from home, which both my wife and I do? That could conceivably be a problem. How do you manage that? Or we basically just started making excuses. And then we just sort of wrote the idea off while the idea was still sort of percolating in the back of our minds individually without us ever really talking about it for a fairly extended period of time. It was actually really interesting when one of us, I can't even remember which one of us it was, but one of us brought the idea back up about this concept. It was probably me because I tend to be the pestering type. But anyway, the the idea came back up and you know, the other respondents like, you know, I've been really been thinking a lot about that too. How can we actually do this? So we started looking at it. Keep in mind, we have two kids. So this is a definitely a different perspective looking at this sort of a lifestyle than someone that is single or that someone that is just a young couple. You know, it's different. We're both in our mid 30s. We're both in our mid to late. I'm the late. <laughs> We're both in our mid to late 30s. And, you know, us doing this with two kids is obviously something that's, as I mentioned earlier, quite unconventional. So we started to look into it. We're like, okay, if if we were going to try and pull off something like this, how would we do it? What would we absolutely need in a home? They're like, so basically what we did is we started to evaluate our own lifestyle. And 
that's something that I highly recommend that everybody do. If you're going to get anything out of this conversation, I think it should be exactly this. When you are considering making a lifestyle change, the first and most important thing that you need to do, at least the first and most important thing that was important for me, because I tend to be the over, overly analytical type, is to sit down and evaluate your current lifestyle. Like, for example, when we say, hey, we're thinking of downsizing from 1,800 square feet down to 400 square feet and be mobile, the you could hear a pin drop in the conversation when we say that to most people. And that's just because we haven't really thought, or most people haven't really thought of how one can make that work, as opposed to just, oh my God, I spent all this money for this big house. I use all of this space now because you feel obligated to because you spent all the money on it. But do you actively use your space? And that's sort of the thing that a lot of people don't take into consideration. The way the thought process was actually very simple. Once my wife and I were relatively active as a couple, especially active with our kids, we don't like to stay home a lot. I'm not the football party every Sunday, invite 20 people over to eat lots of food and watch the 80, watch the 80 inch television football game, you know, going on in the back room. I'm not that guy. I never really have been that guy. So, you know, I'm not exactly the man cave type. I don't necessarily like just sort of lounging around at home. I prefer to be out and about out amongst the world doing things. My wife is even more extreme in that category than I am. You know, our general process with the kids is I'm up at four out of the house for, you know, doing some work at 530 in the morning. And I'm out, generally speaking, the lion's share of the rest of the day. I take my laptop with me. I work at coffee shops and I do stuff like what you're hearing right now. My wife, she wakes up, gets the kids up, get does breakfast and then leaves the house and goes and does things almost every day. That is our normal process. And then we come home, she comes home for naps for the kids, and then I come home, take the kids out, and then my wife goes out and does her work for her business that she has, and that's just sort of our process. We circle back home, we eat dinner, we go to bed. And then start start over that process the next day. We're never home. We use we use our home like a hotel room, which is something that's very similar for a lot of people. Not everybody. This lifestyle isn't necessarily for everybody. But I would challenge you to think about how is it that you and your children, if you have children, that you and your family use your home. Do you use it like a homestead? Do you are you like? Are you effectively a modern-day urban farmer? Like, are you home the lion's share of the time? Are you a homebody that prefers to be there? Or do you generally go out a lot and really only use your house for eating and sleeping? If that's the case, the the just sheer size of home that you require is actually a hell of a lot less than you might think. And that's sort of the what dawned on us when we decided to start pursuing this route to see if it could potentially be a good fit for us, which eventually we did decide it was, and that's a move that we're going to be doing this year, updates to come. Now, there's a lot of options for this. There's obviously the tiny house thing that you see in most TV TV shows, like I've mentioned, 
but there's also a much, as we discovered, much, much less expensive option, and that is the world of living in an RV, which is what we're actually planning on doing. When we came to the realization of the type of tiny house that we wanted, I'll give you some real numbers here, the, because the, one of the things that seems to be a little vague in the area of looking at these tiny houses that you see all over the place is how much do these things really cost once you actually add in, you know, the dishwasher or the mattress or the railing to make that extra space up there a, a sleeping area as opposed to a, just a storage area or a solar unit on the roof to start generating power so you can stay off the grid if that's something that you're interested in doing. There's not a lot of that information out there, or it's not easy to obtain. So what we did is we decided, okay, what's what's our family structure? Husband, wife, two young children. Okay, so we need at least three sleeping areas or three places to sleep. So we started looking around at a lot of the tiny houses that were out there. Not many of them are, the, are big enough to fit that. So... It took us a little bit of digging, but we eventually found one from a manufacturer out in Wisconsin, and they have a unit that has a walk-in closed-door master bedroom on the first floor. On one side of the first floor, on the opposite side of the first floor, is a large bathroom with a full-sized soaking tub, which is obviously great in our case for kids, and then... On top of the bedroom on one side and on top of the bathroom on the other side were two fairly large sleeping lofts. This is sort of the sleeping area that you see most commonly in these tiny houses on the shows that you watch on television. So our thought being, you know, kid number one, top left, kid number two, top right, mommy, daddy downstairs. And that's the arrangement with the one bathroom that we would all share and if we continue with the way that we use our home now, it wouldn't be a particular imposition. So we priced that unit out. The base price was $79,000. We optioned out to make my wife happy, took the price up to about ninety-two, But with me being the tech geek, priced out to make me happy. Took it up to about 112 to 114, depending on delivery and all that jazz. So, if we're looking at it as the primary residence, we're a couple that's used to living near a coastline. So, 115,000, even if it's at the top end of that, 114, $15,000, if that's your primary residence, that's still a pretty damn cheap home. But we'd still never necessarily stood in one of these things before. So, because the state of Maryland where we live isn't exactly tiny house friendly, so there's not a lot of them around. So we haven't, weren't, we weren't able to really sit in any of these things to sort of get a general feel for it. The closest thing that we could find to it was an RV, which is basically what a tiny house is. It's just a really, really pretty one. So we decided to go last February, February 2017, we went to the Maryland RV show with the plans of let's find the RVs that are roughly the size of the tiny house that we're about to buy. We had check in hand ready to send a deposit about to buy and walk in, walk from side to side, jump up and down, see if we bang our heads, just sort of get a general feel for what it what it's like to be in something that size is like, does it feel big? Does it feel small? I'm not going to do too much to 
detract from my own stature, but let's just say I'm on the shorter side, and as is my wife, and our children are both in the fifth or less percentile in height at their ages. So needless to say, we're all on the smaller side, so it's not like we're going to be whacking our heads on too much to begin with, but we just wanted to get a general feel for it. Well, 10 minutes into walking into that RV show, we found a fifth wheel, if anyone's not familiar with a fifth wheel RV. Basically, it's a trailer RV, which is basically what a tiny house is. It's a trailer that you pull behind something. But it's meant to drop. The connection to the truck is meant to drop into the bed of the truck as opposed to get pulled behind the bumper of the truck. So it's the ones that, if you can envision it in your head, it's the one that has sort of like the odd part of the cabin sticking out and standing higher off the ground than the rest of the cabin does so that it can fit over the back of a truck. That's called a gooseneck trailer, similar to like a gooseneck trailer. Well, the one that we found was seven feet longer than the tiny house that we were going to buy. It had about 35 to 40% more floor space than the tiny house that we were going to buy because RVs have these power slide outs. Once you're physically in place, you hit a button, the walls slide out, and that provides you with more floor space. With this one had five of those separate slide outs. So with those five slide outs pushed out, it added probably another 30 to 40% of square footage in the floor space compared to the tiny house we looked at. It didn't just have one bedroom and two sleeping lofts. It had one bedroom, one master bedroom, and then a second full closed door bedroom for the kids that had that could sleep six people in that room, each with their individual sleeping area. And the tiny house had the one very nice bathroom. This one had a very nice bathroom up front and a full, not just a half, which is common in most most of the really big RVs, but a full second bathroom off of the kids' room in the back of the unit. So two full bedrooms, two full bathrooms, 30 to 40% more floor space, seven feet longer, the solar system was set up. It had auto automatic leveling, so if you do decide to move the thing around, you pull into a space, disconnect from a truck, press one button, and the unit levels itself. It's It was an amazing piece of technology, frankly, and the price tag was $49,000, all of $63,000 less than what we were just about to spend on a tiny house. At the cost of, the exterior isn't as pretty as a tiny house is. Well, in our in our in our thinking, if we're trying this out, it might not necessarily be a permanent solution, but it's something that we're interested in giving a try. Thinking of options and looking at alternatives to the one thing that you're thinking about accomplishing found us in a situation where we could conceivably save. 60% of the cost of the home that we're going to be living in just by looking at the options. Now, that might not be a trade-off that some people are willing to do. They might only be willing to go the small route if they can have the super cute, super fancy, like insanely efficient build of a tiny house. And that's okay. That's still sort of where our head is, but we're willing to give it a try 
and we want to give it a try for a much lower price point than what we could get as a tiny house. So our thought is we'll buy the RV, we'll live in it for a few years, make sure that we still, you know, are married and love each other in such a small space. And as long as that's the case, we will we will spend our time either buying or building our own dedicated tiny house maybe in the driveway next to wherever we're going to be living. And then once that's built and complete, then we'll sell the RV and move on to the fancy tiny house. And that's where we will be from there. We don't know yet, but that's sort of what our path is going to be. Now, if you remember, just to think, just to think about this for a second, the, the point of this story is a lot of times when in general pop culture, when people think about finding ways to live small, whatever that means to you, their thought process behind it is, I have to work really hard, I have to make a lot of money, I have to finish my career, and then I can cut back, rid myself of all of these burdensome things in my life, and just really go out and enjoy myself. Like the quote that I mentioned from the movie Wall Street at the very beginning of this show, right after the I introduced the episode 40 number, was a quote from Charlie Sheen from the movie Wall Street, where he said he was sitting around with his multi-billionaire friends and whatever typical corporate raiders and said, I think if I can make a bundle of cash before I'm 30 and get out of this racket, I'll be able to ride my motorcycle across China. Now, this was said by a movie character whose job it is, is to buy and sell multi-billion dollar companies and tear them apart for scraps and for profit. To do what it is that he thinks he he needs to make a bundle of money before he's 30 to do would probably cost you a sum total of about $1,500 all in, not including the plane trip to China. So, and that's sort of the vision that a lot of people seem to have with, you know, trying to find ways to sort of simplify your life and make things a lot simpler and easier and less burdensome and whatever modifier you want to throw in there, it doesn't take that much money to do it. We are finding a way to rid ourselves of 80 plus percent of our possessions, otherwise known as our burdens, 80 plus percent of the space that we need to heat and clean and maintain all for $49,000. It doesn't take much to dramatically simplify your life. And that's something that we're trying to live as an example of with this move for ourselves. And I wonder if you've ever really thought about a way to do that for yourselves seriously. And this goes back to the exercise that we did, which was to legitimately evaluate your space. How do you, how do you use your space? How do you use the areas of your life that currently holds all of your stuff. And that's really what our houses are, is they're basically just a box for all of the crap that we're deciding to keep around. Why are we deciding to keep it around? That answer varies widely from person to person, but a lot of it is rooted in the consumer mentality that we have today, which is to say, I am 
I am rich. I am successful. I have money. Therefore, I must have stuff. But why? Like, there's no real good answer to that question as to why. And that's something that we've really tried to wrap our heads around for ourselves and for our family. And I really think it's something that you should do. Just sort of evaluate that area of your life in we're always talking about in the area of personal finance. We're always talking about is like, okay, how can we save money? How can we invest our money better? How can we make a better return? Let's let's flip that on its head a little bit and try to think is like, well, when we're talking about finding ways to save money, I'm not talking about, you know, skipping your latte every day. I'm talking about, in our case, if if you total up, and this is the basis of our decision, this is a part of the basis of our decision, is that we totaled up all of our living expenses. Everything that we pay to stay in the home where we are right now. The mortgage, the utilities... The mortgage, the utilities, we keep a home warranty on our house, so the cost of the home warranty, the cost of landscaping, the cost of general upkeep, you know, the the costs that we've had to put into this house that aren't necessarily covered by the home warranty, upgrades, etc. Like, we totaled all that stuff out, averaged it out over a three-year period, and picked out that monthly number. We set that number aside. And then we looked at, okay, if we're buying this RV, if, we're, if we finance it, or if we pay cash, let's assume we finance it just so that we're playing apples to apples. If we finance the cost of the RV and we factor in the cost of utilities and a pl- a, the cost of a place to put it based on the options of places that we have to put it, we totaled up that number and subtracted it from the big number from where we are for where we currently live, that's over $3,000 a month less than what we're currently spending to simply live where we live right now in a home that simply houses stuff that we don't really care that much about and that we use like a hotel anyway. That's over three. That's $36,000 a year. Doing this for three years, that's a $100,000 swing in our personal net worth just from moving to a place that we utilize exactly how we utilize where we live right now. I don't see a downside, frankly, outside of the slight stigma that we're getting from the people that are around us in our lives, which, again, this is incredibly unconventional, so I fully understand. But... When you actually start digging into the numbers, a change like this could be substantial in the improvement of your life and your financial standing. And I just think it's something that everyone should consider, not necessarily the small house or not necessarily the tiny house or an RV, not maybe as extreme as what we're doing, although it's something that you should think about. Just think about, you know, do you need 3,000 square feet? Can you get away with 1,800? Like, do, do you need 1,800? Can you get away with a 1,000 square foot row house that's closer to work? Like, think about it for a second and don't say, it's like, well, this is our starter house, which is another way of saying, oh, I absolutely must get rid of this house soon because this was just our starter house. Maybe the starter house is good enough to stick with for a while. Or... Maybe that 3,500-square-foot house that you bought five years ago, maybe you don't actually need all that space. Maybe it's okay for you to downsize and go back to something and not necessarily wait till you're retired 
for you to downsize, quote unquote downsize. Everybody says like, well, when I retire, we're going to sell the house and move into a little condo. It's like, well, why the hell don't you do it now? Like, what is it that's holding you to the space where you are right now? As as opposed to being able to move to that condo right now, what's holding you back? There's literally nothing stopping you, assuming that you're not somebody that lives in a family of six that's constantly home all the time with all of their friends. So I'm going to wrap it up with that. I'm, I'm not going to sort of keep droning on because I think you sort of get the point at this stage. But the bottom line is, if I would like you to take anything away from this episode, I'd like you to... Take a minute, either by yourself or with your spouse, and just sit down and evaluate how do you use the space that you live in. Do you use it? And when I say use it, I don't mean if you've got, you know, three extra rooms upstairs, do you happen to keep crap in all three of those rooms? If the answer is yes, you might immediately say, well, yes, of course we're using it. Look, all of our stuff is up there. But are you really using it? Are the things that are in that room things that you actually are going to use in your life, or are you just keeping them there just because you own them so you don't think that you can ever get rid of them? Look at how you really use your space. How many hours in a 24-hour cycle on average, over the span of a week or two weeks, how many hours are you actually in your home, in that space? Will those, can you justify paying what you pay for the space that you have for the limited hours in which you're there? Maybe you can. My wife and I, we absolutely couldn't. We're not, we're not homebodies, so we're not here to justify the cost. Other people might be, and that's okay. But you don't know unless you sit down and dig into the numbers. So I suggest that you really just sort of dig into the numbers. And I'd love to hear what you guys think about that process once you go through it. So if you wouldn't mind, if you've had a chance to go through these numbers, go ahead and go over to the community Facebook page to this episode's post and let me know what that number is for you. I'm really curious what some of these numbers are going to be for some people. Like if you just go to smallmoves.co forward slash community, that'll take you to the page and just go ahead and find this episode, episode 40 post and just throw, throw the number in there and sort of tell me what you're thinking. I'd really love to hear your feedback. Also, as I mentioned in the last few weeks, I just recently started the small moves book club that started this month in February and I've gotten some interesting feedback from that so far and I really like it. I'm definitely going to keep it going starting it's going to be a once a month thing. February is already covered, obviously, but March is coming up ever so quickly. So the next one will be coming up around the beginning of March. So go ahead and sign up for the email list and you'll go on the book club list that just go to smallmoves.co. And if you go there, a pop-up will come up and you can just enter your email address in there. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the show. It's really important to me that you're here. Thanks for listening. You've got this. Mm-hmm.